0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. I think, um, I think we're all looking for favor. You know, maybe this, this is the end of the year. Maybe you're looking for favor from a boss. You want to raise... You want a bonus. You want favor from a boss, maybe from a bank. You want a loan. You want to refinance. You want to expand a business. You want to do you want to. So you go in there with your credit score, whatever that is. You don't have to say I won't either. And then we go in there like you want favor from a bank. Or maybe you've uh, messed up and you need favor from the person sitting next to you. Uh, I think we all want favor. Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit about that. What that means, not favor from men, not favor from humans, uh, but but favor from God. What is favor from God? Um, Mary was described as someone who was favored. In fact, it says that she was highly favored. What does it mean to be highly favored? Um, What does it mean uh, to walk in the favor of God? Well, I've got good news for you. Uh, We're all here. If you're here and you know Jesus, Jesus has, has impacted your life. He's called you to himself. You are a favored person. One of the things that we're going to see today is that favor is not a reward, but it's a gift. Mary, you know, Mary, in some circles, Mary is, is put out as, you know, like she's some uh, superhuman type figure, but she was extremely ordinary. In fact, it's, it's fair to say that she was less than ordinary. Uh, favor is not for status. You know, hey, I got a great parking spot. You know, the favor of the Lord. Favor ain't fair. You know, like that's not favor. Favor is not for status. It's for service. In fact, that's really what I want to say is that in the call of God that we've all been favored by his grace. Uh, It's not something we've earned. It's not something we've deserved. It's something he gives to us. And one of the things that we see as we rehearse the the, the Christmas story, as we rehearse this narrative, and we look at all these different characters, and we're going to see this really, uh, especially in the life of Mary, is that she she had a divine call in her life. One of the things it means to receive the favor of God, to walk in the favor of God, is to receive this divine call. So I want to take a look at her call, and I want you to be thinking about your call. And if you've never thought about it, today's a good day to think about it. And we are if you're new to us, we are built around helping people discover that. In fact, if you are new today, a good next step for you is to go track. As David mentioned, we want to help people know God, know what it is to know God and how we get into this and, and, and find family. That's, that's huge. Discover their purpose and make a difference. So anyway, in this story, the angel of the Lord turns up to this very, very ordinary girl, uh, this Teenage girl, 14, 15, 16, she was betrothed. That is to say that she was engaged, but this was just an ordinary girl on an ordinary day. You know, she's getting ready, maybe thinking about Joseph, maybe thinking about the details of her wedding, has her future in mind. What she wasn't thinking was, I'm going to get an angelic visit today. Uh, That wasn't on the agenda. But the fact that she didn't have a heart attack is notable. Um little Bible trivia, the two most common phrases said by angels in the Bible are fear not and get up. Angels are scary. But it's notable she didn't have a heart attack. But she did wonder, she was seeking to discern what type of greeting this is. And if you're seeking to discern what type of greeting this is, maybe there was other greetings. But even if there wasn't, even if this was the very first time, please note that although Mary was troubled about what God would speak. She was not troubled that God did speak. What if God was to show up to you as you're getting ready in your ordinary day, in your ordinary world, in your ordinary life and speak to you? Here, I got news for you. He wants to. If you're a Christian, he has at least once, but he wants to speak to you. Jeremiah 33, two says, thus says the Lord, who made the heaven and earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. Uh, Just taking you back to the fact that God created the world. Genesis 1:1, God created in the heavens and the earth. What Jeremiah is is saying here is if you can deal with that fact, if you can deal with verse 1 of the Bible, the, the rest is going to fall in line because check this out. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. There are things in your life, there are great things that God wants to do in your life. He wants to visit you in your ordinary world, in your ordinary day, in your ordinary life. He wants to visit you and he wants to let you in on some great things that you do not know yet. I suggest you get ready for it. Mary was about as ordinary as they come, but what we see here is that God wants to come to us and pull us close into intimate relationship, speak identity uh, into us, to speak love all over us, and speak purpose through us, just like Mary. But don't miss this. The the God who flung the stars uh, in the sky, and he created the animals and all that, he he takes on flesh and bone, and, 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 and he's birthed through Mary. That's the that was the big thing about, about Mary. She gave birth to Jesus. But know this, you and I are born again, sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It's the word that gets used is this deposit. And it's, it's said of Mary that she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. He's gonna come upon you. Jesus said to his disciples, wait here. My my, my spirit is going to come upon you. It's going to overshadow you. And then you will be my witnesses in all Judea. There's There's a sense to where God wants to use you to birth Jesus into your environment. Mary gave birth to Jesus, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you. God wants to overshadow you with his power, with his spirit. And use you to give birth to into your environment, into your workplace, into your schools. And all you know. Sometimes we pray, and, and, I, and I think this way too. Like, oh my gosh, this world is crazy. It's going cuckoo for kofopops. It's just nuts. And, and 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 my workplace, and my school, and, and my kids' school. And and man, well God will you do something? And I think God, in a sense, is like you know, I, I already have. I put you there. I put you in that workplace. I put you in that neighborhood. I put you in that school. And God wants to use us, and he wants to use us in our generation, for our generation, to our generation. The hope is not, the hope of the world is not in our government. It's not in our media, our education, our finance. The hope is in God. The hope in God through the church, and Jesus says to us, I want, to, I want you to birth me into your world. He, he, is, he has a call for your life. We are carriers of the Spirit. We are not the hope, he is the hope, but his hope is in through us. But the big thing that we have to understand, or we'll miss this, is we have to understand that God uses very, very ordinary people. Mary was so common, so ordinary, in fact, below ordinary. She was this teenage girl, no lineage, no prestige, no money, no power, but here's the truth about God. God does not need great ability to do what he wants to do on earth. He just needs great availability. So Jesus comes to the, the boy, you know, very famous miracle. He takes the boy's box lunch and he feeds the multitudes. The, the capability of this little boy was not much. A few loaves, a few fish. But he took that availability and he fed a multitude and God wants to do the same thing. He's just looking for you to say yes to him. That's what you see here. Just want someone to say yes to to him and, and Mary's like yes, let me according to your word. And the angel here again says that, that she is highly favored, but again it's about um, service and not status. The so things that we receive from God are not ours for our status and our life and, and our renown. You know, you've heard that phrase. You know, uh, possession is nine tenths of the law. And uh, you guys hear that. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, so. Unless there's a compelling reason otherwise, if you've got that object in your possession, it's yours. That's what the law says. Um, you have a, and so we think, we live in a mythical world where we think that we are the owners of it because, you know, the, the titles of our car has our name on it, the titles of our houses have our name on it. We think we own all this stuff. We think we own our life. We think we are self-determined. We think that we make our own life because it's in our possession. Our life is in our possession. My, my uh, my my income my this is all me but it's not it's something that comes from god the things that you have are not a reward for you they are grace to you they are favor to you it all comes from him nobody nobody was in the womb saying i'll take america i'll take health i'll take you know 21st century I'll I'll take these things. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll take ambition. No one in the womb can do that. No one can create that. We're we're working in Nepal. One of the things that you gave to last year, and thank you once again for your generosity, there are people in Nepal. If you spend a week in our churches in Nepal, you will not, I don't care how much ambition you have. I don't care how hard you work. You are not having the life that you have now if you're in Nepal. If you're one of the 50 kids in Armenia, we also gave to this, thank you very much. If you're one of the 50 kids who lost their parents in a war and a church got around them and loved on them encouraged them and you helped make that happen. If you're one of those 50 kids, you're not living the life that you're living right now. What you have did not come from you. It was favored, not for status, but for service. And just because you have possession of it doesn't mean that you own it. There's a very compelling reason, which is you did not, you just go back and say, okay, I did not choose this. This is all grace to me. God has given this to me. What might he want to use this for? He wants to use you to do amazing things well beyond you could ever think or imagine, but there's a price tag. I mean, this, this, her life is gonna get totally turned upside down. Totally turned upside down. I mean, it's just going, I mean, we cannot even imagine. We cannot even imagine what she's thinking of. In fact, and sometimes we think when our life gets turned upside down that we've lost the favor of God. When in reality, we haven't lost it. It just might be the fact that we've, we have it. Her life got completely turned. I mean, the Holy Spirit overshadows her, you know, gets her. I mean, imagine having to tell Joseph. Imagine that. Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And Joseph is thinking, I know what I have not done. What do you mean you're pregnant? Imagine telling your family in a uh, shaman on our culture in the Middle East. Her, her community, ostracized by her community. Legally, she could have been stoned to death. In fact, I was reading this kind of in my daily Bible reading last week, John 8.41. Jesus and the Pharisees are having this argument like they usually do. And uh, the Pharisees say to Jesus, Well, at least we were not born out of sexual immorality. You know, the first century version of your mom's a you know what. This title, she carried it, not for a qu- one little quiet night in Bethlehem, she carried it her entire life. There's always this incubation period, actually, when God begins to speak to you. And it's just you. I remember when God came to me and, and, and saved me just radically. I was doing my own thing, and my own thing wasn't working. And it's like, you know, God dropped this boulder in my life, and... and said some things to me in my college apartment. And I didn't have language for it back then. I didn't even know how to tell someone. And there was just this period of time where it was just God and I are the only ones that knew it because I didn't even know how to explain it to other people. And God wants to do that in your life. The fear of all is no- normal. That's why the angel said, fear not. Are you for real? Don't you understand what I have to do? I'm going to go tell Joseph. i got to tell my family. I'm going to be ostracized. I may even be killed. And so many of us are afraid of receiving the call of God in our life because of what it means for us in terms of relationship, in terms of reputation, in terms of comfort, in terms of security, what this will do to my dreams, what this will do to my ambitions. And what is on, what is on the doorstep of every move of God that he wants to do in your life is this reality of fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Fear is gripping people. It's paralyzing people. They're losing their confidence. They're afraid. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. He wants to help us. He wants to help us. Jesus came from heaven and earth, and he died on the cross. Not that we would live lives of comfort and security and cower in fear, but actually to live out the call of God in our life. Our greatest, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever issue that is that you're facing, the greatest enemy in your life is cowering to the fear that you experience when, you, when God invites you to live a life not for yourself, but for others. That is the greatest threat in your life. And God wants to visit you to help you you'll be interrupted. She was on her way to do something else. She wasn't, you know, getting pregnant with God wasn't on the agenda. Like that wasn't what she was thinking was going to happen. Her life was totally interrupted. I, I remember when, again, when God first called me into the life that I have, I was literally going and I was literally wanting to head west. I was literally wanting to go in a different direction. He called me back east to St. Louis um, I wanted this life, this career, and he called me to do this over here. And every move, I can track every major move of God, whether that be in my life individually or even us as a community together. So we, we, our church got started in, in Webster Groves and it was growing and, and, the, and we were thinking about moving further out into the suburbs, somewhere past 270. We were going this way. God interrupted that and told us to go back into the city, which we did. And and you know, of course, we eventually planted out other locations. But that was that was a major shift. God interrupted our plans with His plans. My wife and I, once we uh, mo- once we got this location in the city, we anchored our family in the city, and we were like, "Man, we're going to be here forever." And and God. And we, were, we had other plans, but God says, no, I want, I want you to shift there. Every, move, every major move in my life and every major move in the life of this church, it means being interrupted with God's plans. But how does she cope with this? Well, there's a couple things. God did a couple things. One is that she had community. So the angel said to her, hey, I've done the same thing in Elizabeth's life. Elizabeth was barren, but she bore a child. In other words, God uses us uses each other. That's one of the big reasons why community is a big to us. Family is a big, big, big little, Being a family is a big deal to us because even though that we all have a unique calling, it's really encouraging to know that the people at my right and my left are dealing with the same thing. And that's what we want to do together. We want to move forward as a family. We each, you know, we have a corporate call, meaning like God's calling us to do something to, together as a church, but he calls us individually to do different things. And so one of the things God's grace Uh, to Mary was, hey, I'm doing something similar in Elizabeth's life. And you two are gonna encourage each other. And that's what you need. The thing that God calls you to do, no way can you do it on your own. You need a community of people around you, encouraging you, if for no other reason, to look you in the eye and say, you know what, you're not crazy. Every once in a while, I need someone to tell me, hey, you're not crazy for doing what you're doing. You're not crazy for living the life that you're living. Otherwise, you will cower in fear and not live it. And so God gives us, community. But ultimately, she had to make the decision. And one of the things that I, I find fascinating isn't what Mary did say, but what she didn't say. Do we have verse 38? Okay. <laughs> she didn't say a lot, let me tell you. Uh, oh, hey. Hey, let's give the guys a round of applause. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. What Mary didn't say was, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, and I'm not afraid anymore. Let it be according to your word. Which means that we have to step forward despite the fact that we're afraid. That we do it afraid. We do it afraid until we're not afraid anymore. We do it afraid. We obey. obey. May it be according to your word, not according to my word, not according to my life. See, part of the problem of living a self-determined life is thinking like, man, it's just like, I've got to, I've got to be comfortable with it. It's got to be in my, man, that's not what God's called. God's called you into something bigger than you. And it's something bigger than you, it's not gonna make sense to you. It's not gonna feel comfortable to you. But he wants to call you into that. And then finally, I think the other um, cost we have is that we have to, we have to be willing to look foolish because Mary had to embrace what is impossible. How many know that a pregnant virgin is, there's no such thing. I mean, there's no such, it is an oxymoron. That is not, that is impossible. That is impossible. And we can look at Mary and think, well, that just, it, you know, this specific thing has only happened once, but like this specific, the way the, the, her impossibility you know, like that, you know, what she does is impossible, but what I do, you know, I can do. But if, if everything God's called you to do, like you have the money to do it, you have the time to do it, you have the energy to do it, you have the, the skill to do it. If everything that God's called you to do, you can imagine yourself doing, newsflash, you're not doing what God's called you to do. If you can live your life without him, in other words, you're not doing what he's asked you to do. We have to embrace what's possible. It's it's when we're at the end of our rope that God's rope begins. We're not gonna be smart enough. We're not gonna be gifted enough. We're not gonna be energetic enough. Otherwise, we wouldn't need God. And maybe you find yourself this morning and, and you haven't lived in a place of faith for a long time. One of the things that I hope you get out of this Christmas story and the candles and the lights and nativity scenes is that God wants to call you into a life of faith. All these characters had this like, even the shepherd, common people, common, common people with this destiny to herald the good news of Jesus. And the good news when it comes to looking foolish There's a lot of biblical precedent that we can draw encouragement from, not only from each other, but also in the scriptures. I mean, think about Noah. Noah has got to tell tell his friends, hey, I'm building an ark. What's an ark? I don't know. But I'm building one. What for? Rain. What's that? I don't know. Hasn't happened for 120 years. He's building I don't know what, for I haven't got a clue. Abraham and Sarah. Sarah. You know, imagine them. You know, they're you know they're in the uh, maternity section at Target, looking at clothes. So their friends come up and say, "Hey, is that for your grandkids?" Because she was barren. The Bible says that Abraham was as good as dead. I don't know how old he is, but they looked they they looked at Abraham and said, "You know what? You're about as good as dead." That's about that's how old he was. So whatever it takes, however old you have to be to look like that, that's Abraham. Hanging out in the maternity center. Oh, is this for your great grandkids or your great great grand? No, no, no. This is for us. What? Moses, Moses. I'm going to use you to get you to get my people out of the you know the biggest and the baddest army that's ever lived in Egypt. And then they're going to chase you, and then you're going to have to cross a, a big sea. Great. What? What are you going to give me to to make this happen? Here's a stick. So Moses and off he goes, Joshua, 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 you're going to, you're going to defeat this great walled city called Jericho. Great. What do I got? You got the marching band, get a trumpet, get the flute, get some tassels, a funny hat. You know, my kid is in marching band and I see the marching band. I see the football players. My money's with the football players. My money's with Jericho. But they get out the march. Esther um, wasn't summoned by the king to come into the court, but she did it anyway. Literally sticking her neck out. Caleb, 85 years old. Any retirement people in here? He was not cashing out his 401k. He's like, but he took on the vision that he had when he was just a young man, the age of 85. 85 years old, running with a bunch of 20 year olds. Paul and Silas chained, singing Graves in the Gardens or something song, I don't know what he was singing. They're singing in prison, getting the little boy with five loaves and two fish, expecting to feed 5,000. And certainly did not Jesus look foolish, nailed on a cross, the middle cross between two thieves, as people walk by. Is this your Messiah? Is this your king? If you're the king, if you're the Messiah, then come down. And they mocked him. They beat him. They spit on him. I believe that God would want to say in 2021 in our polarized, individualized, politicized, trendy, soft, safe, little Western world, are there any Christians out there willing to birth me into their environment? Because if we're willing to trust him And live in a place of faith. I think we might just see what they saw in the scriptures. Because you know what? Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah did bear a child. Moses did cross the Red Sea. The Israelites did see the walls of Jericho come down. Esther did stop Jewish genocide. Caleb did get his mountain. Paul and Silas were free from prison. The little boy's lunch did feed 5,000. And Jesus Christ. Walked out of that tomb and he defeated death and he defeated sin and he defeated all your enemies. And he is now reigning and ruling at the right hand of God. And he's looking down on you, just as he looked down upon Mary and said, Oh, favored one, you are highly favored. God wants you to know that you are highly favored. It's not a reward, it's not a gift. He knows you're ordinary. The more ordinary, the better. He's not looking for your capability. He's looking for your availability. What you have, brothers and sisters, is not for your status. It's not for your identity. It's not what makes you you. That favor that you have, that we all have, this building. It's not for us. It's not for status. It's for service. Because Jesus wants to overshadow you with his presence, just like he did Mary. To make an impact in this generation and for this generation and to this generation, if you are willing to do what Mary did, which she said, let it be according to your word. Do you have that in you? You don't, I don't. That's why we need God. We need his presence, we need his power, and we need each other. And that's why we're here today. We're here today for each other, for his power, for the world. Why don't we stand? Jesus, we just repent of not walking in your purpose because we don't think we're worthy, we were never worthy, but you have favored us. We are highly favored. We have received much grace in so many ways and so many forms. God, as we contemplate, the life of your birth mother, Mary. The interruption, the fear, the willing to look foolishness and scorned and the loss of reputation. Lord God, we wanna be men and women who lock arm in arm, knowing that it's going to require something we can't see. It's going to require a power that we don't have to live a life that we could never imagine. God, I just pray as we end here, I just pray you would overshadow us with your presence, that we would be men and women who say, let it be according to your word.